1: Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with Judd Zolgad. And Judd, this is an emergency episode of the Purple Podcast because we have a report today from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that the Minnesota Vikings do not plan on franchise tagging Case Keenum, which I believe that would mean the end of the Case Keenum era in Minnesota. So tell me, Judd, your initial reaction to this news
0: zero surprise in fact i now now there's a difference between what we talked about and i talked about as possibilities right which was that it might have made some sense from our end at least we thought for the vikings to put the franchise tag on keenum perhaps bring back teddy have them compete for the job have case maybe have started 2018 as as their starter and then eventually transition but that being said i just go back to this and we have been talking about this for months and i know people are tired of it but it's a very important part of this story when you have a head when you have a 13 and 3 team that's led by a quarterback who the head coach essentially says has a horseshoe up his butt all year long and and is unwilling to basically uh put his faith behind for months on end that's a head coach who doesn't truly subscribe to the long-term success of the quarterback and then when said quarterback struggled, certainly in the second half against the Saints, and, and despite the fact that the defense played a terrible game against Philadelphia in the championship game, the conference championship game, Case Keenum had a bad day, too. I think for Mike Zimmer, the playoffs were not completely shocking from a quarterback end. And so the fact that the Vikings would decline to put the franchise tag on Keenum, and as far as we know, are not actively negotiating with him, which means that he's going to land elsewhere, should qualify on a scale of one to 10 as about a one Matthew Collar as far as surprises go.
1: So I, I think that that is one part for me that as we read the tea leaves all season long and read through the lines with Mike Zimmer, who is not a good liar, by the way, no, he's not. Uh, it, it's something that makes him very likable I think to Vikings fans is that when he tries to lie to the media he struggles which is kind of I don't know admirable in a way because when you watch most of these press conferences and these coaches lie and lie and lie and you sort of go man is, is that guy a sociopath or what but Zimmer is not really particularly good at hiding his cards he wouldn't be a great poker player and I thought he showed us many different times throughout the season that he didn't really buy into Case Keenum. So that's that's part of why all season long we thought this could be they could be going back to Teddy or this could be a short term solution as opposed to a long term solution. And that's what it looks like it's going to be. Now why that is, why Mike Zimmer would not buy into him, I think that is a more complicated answer. But the best way that I can put it is let's just say that you have a baseball player who generally hits like 250 and one year everything goes right for him. A lot of ground balls get through or he doesn't face great pitchers or whatever it might be, and he hits 300. Well, the the team is going to know all of his skill sets and all the things they had to do to get him uh, to hit 300 and say, can we do this in the future? Can we just have this guy hit 300 at third base for the next five years and the answer is no, he's more of a 250 hitter. And I think that's way, the way that the Vikings viewed this. And when you look at some of his numbers, especially the under pressure numbers, he was setting career highs across the board. It was something he was getting highly praised for in the pocket, under pressure, all those things. But usually those numbers are going to regress. If they're really high one year, then they're probably going to come back. And there were many times where this can be demonstrated by him just launching the ball up and having it work out for him. But then, as you said, when he got to the playoffs, that didn't happen. And it was Mike Zimmer's worst nightmare. And I think that Zimmer would have had a very tough time saying, after I knew this guy was going to throw the bad interception at the biggest time, all season long, it was my biggest fear. And then he did it. Uh, it it would have been really surprising to see Zimmer say, yeah, bring him back. Now, on the franchise tag, like you said, the franchise tag would have made some sense, though, to have him compete in camp with whoever the other quarterback is, but it also makes sense to to let him walk and play for the Broncos or Arizona, and everybody will be happy. The Vikings will get one of their quarterback options. Now I think it's down to Kirk Cousins or Teddy Bridgewater, and Case Keenum is going to make money, so don't cry tears for Case Keenum.
0: Yeah, and I think beyond on the baseball comparison, though, th- this goes, this um, transcends that to this degree. This is also about trust. Mike Zimmer, I mean, Case Keenum plays a position that that Zimmer needs to trust. I think Zimmer trusts himself defensively completely. So he thinks if I get beat defensively, that's my fault and my problem, and, and I can fix that. Mm-hmm. I think I think that this is this is like a marriage in the sense that Zim wants somebody he can completely trust, and he didn't. I mean, it was just at every turn there was never anything he said throughout the course of, of the season, including saying late in the season that he hadn't decided on Keenum as a starter until like a month before that, that he could trust him. So. beyond beyond the comparison of the fact that Keenum, a career backup had this great spectacular year. I think he looked at Keenum playing quarterback and said, I still don't trust it. He's going to throw bad passes. He's going to do this. And I mean, you know, I'm sure they, they on a weekly basis would break down game film and say, okay, there were these three passes that Keenum completed, but you know, there, before the grace of God, they could have been picked off. So Mm -hmm. I really, I think offensively, I think Zimmer wants to start a season with something that he can completely trust and doesn't have to fix. I think defensively, he's more than willing to make adjustments. But this is all about, in my mind, his ability to bring in a quarterback who he has complete faith in. And and right or wrong, when it came to Keenum or it comes to Case, he does not and did not and will not, going forward, Forward have complete faith in him as a starting quarterback.
1: I definitely agree with that. And as someone who has watched every play on tape from last year with Case Keenum and reviewed it all back, written about it a million times, and looked through the Teddy Bridgewater tape, uh, when, if it comes down to those two for the decision for Mike Zimmer, there were many games, and, and you probably remember quite a few, where the Vikings would have a lead and they would just sit on it and give the ball to Adrian Peterson. That was their strategy, uh-huh. that, that they would get up in games and they had a really good defense that year and they would, Norv Turner would just go old school. When Norv Turner was with the um, Dallas Cowboys... He would just hand it off to Emmett Smith, right? When there was and sure. really when it's funny, because when you look at Troy Aikman's numbers from back then, they aren't even that spectacular. Like he didn't throw a lot of touchdown passes. He didn't have 4,000 yard seasons because that's how North Turner ran his offense, that it was running through Emmett Smith. And, and especially when his team was winning. And that's one of the reasons they, uh, that Bridgewater didn't have huge numbers, but, he also did not have interceptions that cost them games either. And some of the criticism he would get for playing safe was exactly how the head coach wanted him to play, that they didn't want him necessarily hucking the ball down the field under pressure just to see what would happen. And that's what Case Keenum did a number of times this year and got away with it a number of times. And that goes into the regression point that a lot of those throws, if you make it, over a number of years or over and over again, it's going to get picked off more often than not, but it didn't this year. So now it comes down to Judd Bridgewater and cousins. And a lot of the NFL pundits today are saying this is a sign or it must be a sign, no definitive reporting, but it must be a sign that they're going after cousins. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that is still very, possible in terms of our outcomes now it becomes number one and two are it's either teddy and someone like josh mccown or cousins and i think there is a good argument for paying cousins because it won't cost you those players that you have to resign that they've set up the cap so well that you can still get Kirk cousins and also keep all the players you want to keep and when when it comes
0: to this team especially since they were bought by the wilson in 2006 matthew this team if you look has a track record of if they they want a big time guy on the open market pursuing him so what this comes down to for for me is this uh as of today i've got the jets with 79 million dollars in salary cap space denver with 26 now denver is going to be talked about in the equation and they can make some moves to free up some cash and it's certainly a potentially attractive landing spot but If that's the attractive spot, the Vikings right now have $53 million in cap space. And so I really think that this is going to come down to a a Jets-Vikings conversation. And the only question is, how irresponsible are the Jets going to be? Because I think the Vikings will be right behind the Jets in trying to sign Cousins. And I think that there's a case to be made, if you're the Vikings, that for Cousins, this is the perfect spot. Because... Cousins, I don't. I would not consider him to be a star, great quarterback, but I do think if you put him in an infrastructure that has um, Dalvin Cook in your backfield, that has Diggs and Thielen as, as your receivers, that has tight ends that aren't great but certainly could be improved, you're talking about potentially an offensive structure under which Cousins could thrive. And Cousins, I think, statistically took a, a little bit of a step back with the Redskins in 2017, but keep in mind, too, the personnel around him was not as good as it was previously. So if you're if you're the Vikings, though, I can see a real, real possibility that they've decided internally that they're, they're going to go all out for Cousins. And that would, if it hasn't started already, that would certainly start this week at the Combine. But it makes a lot of sense if you're this team right now and you've got a defense that, despite the fact they didn't play well in the uh, conference title game, th- this defense is really good to go out and shore up the quarterback position and do it for not just one year, but potentially, let's say, four or five years.
1: Cousins is the most clear, sure thing. In in terms of a guarantee, you know exactly what you're going to get, even to the point where you could predict what his ceiling is with the great uh, supporting cast around him. In 2015, I think that was the best look that we got at Kirk Cousins and what he could be. When he threw 29 touchdowns, 11 picks, had a rating of 101.6 and went 9-7 and seven with that team. Had very good numbers across the board with Jordan Reed, Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson... Uh, Chris Thompson is a very good running back, wide receiver option, and Jamison Crowder is a good wide receiver too. And that year, they had a healthy offensive line. Trent Williams is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. So I have seen it in some places. People will say, "Oh, well, he, he just didn't. He's never really had this, but this good of a supporting cast." Well, no, he did that year, and he put up very good numbers. The one thing that might be a holdup that I see on tape that Mike Zimmer who is going to watch every single play from all of these guys. He knows what he's got in Bridgewater, but from anybody that's available, he's going to watch every single play. The one thing that I could see getting to him is some of the Keenum-esque throws that come from Kirk Cousins. Some of the throws that you just can't explain that turn into interceptions and things like that. There was one this year in week one against the Eagles that comes to mind right away where they're in the red zone and he takes the snap, and they have a a blitz that's coming in where they have more blitzers or more rushers than uh, Washington has blockers, right? So you usually look for the hot read on that. Mm -hmm. And Cousins has the hot read but just wings it, like just kind of throws it up there. He can't really see his wide receiver. It goes over his head, and it's picked off. Now, everybody throws interceptions when they're under pressure, but that's something you see from him, whether it's under pressure or not under pressure, where there will be some attempts to make hero throws while he's under pressure, especially. And, and, and he's trying to make the big play as opposed to maybe just checking it down or something like that. Uh, His pocket presence is shaky at times Uh, late in games. His numbers have been just okay. The, the, the tough situations we talk about the third downs, the down by a score in the fourth quarter, things like that. They're just okay. Whereas Teddy Bridgewater's were great. And I, the difference maker might be, Judd, if they look at the medical records for Teddy Bridgewater and they look at the tape from him practicing last year and say, we think that the knee is going to be okay, that our doctors think it, the independent, his doctors think it, and what we saw last year in practice, he's either just as good or has gotten better. If that's the case, then I think Bridgewater is coming back and not uh, they're not going to spend that money on Cousins.
0: Interesting, yeah. I mean, I could see, it, th- this to me uh, depends so much on, on Spielman and Zimmer as far as we know for a fact that internally that they love Teddy. What we don't know is how he, he looks, you know, for instance, in practice and things like that. I mean, we have a very, very small uh, sample size, basically that Bengals game in which he was in for, what, a handful of plays. Mm-hmm. So So this really comes down to, the confidence that this coaching staff has in Teddy uh, and his knee now. Um, that being said, too, the one thing that I wouldn't dismiss when, when it comes to Cousins is is the old, and we see this in football a lot. Is is with this offensive staff and and Zimmer as well, the old we can fix the problems out of him. Yeah, so. Because we've seen this. I mean, it's the old, you know, bad bad boy and girlfriend and the girlfriend saying, I'm going to get this guy and he's going to change for me. We see that in football a lot. So you you see the irresponsible throws like you're talking about in the opener. Uh, I think you also documented one in the story that you wrote a throw that he made that I watched against the Giants. That was an absolutely atrocious throw. Mm -hmm. And I see those throws and I always think to myself, there's going to be a team or five out there that say if we had Kirk, it wouldn't happen. So. Um, the Bridgewater storyline or potential there, I certainly wouldn't dismiss. But I also wouldn't dismiss that with now a new uh, offensive coordinator, with Stefanski back, a quarterbacks coach, with Downing now back as what some type of offensive consultant. I wouldn't put it past those guys to tell Spielman, "Hey, if we get Kirk Cousins, it's going to be different too." Because I just I've covered that so many times. Yep. The teams, the teams become convinced that. Whatever a guy's done wrong, they can fix
1: it. Now, the, what his throw against the Giants, what happened was, and, and this really speaks to the shortcoming of Kirk Cousins, it was 3rd and 18, and they're up in the game in the second half against the New York Giants, who had a terrible offense last year. And Cousins gets kind of spooked a little bit in the pocket and just flings the ball out into the flat. Like, without setting his feet or anything, it was this wonky kind of jump-throw thing yeah, it's very ugly. It's, it's a high throw, and it bounces off the running back's hands. The running back just trying to reach back to put a hand on it, but he didn't have any chance to catch it. It bounces up and gets picked off by Janoris Jenkins for a pick six to tie the game. And if that had just been a regular sort of throw that bounces off a running back's hands, you might say that's bad luck, but... The whole thing of panicking a little bit, not setting the feet. And Doug Farrar, who I really like, has been around for a long time doing tape studies. So this isn't just me coming up with this. Uh, he, he called it that he could be a tick slow when it comes to his processing, which I think uh-huh. just means what's happening around him and, and kind of seeing the whole field and being able to know where things are going to be uh, before they're there, which, I, which Teddy Bridgewater is one of the best at. I mean, people talk about he doesn't have the strongest arm. I understand that he does not, but in terms of hitting wide receivers before they're open and releasing the ball to where they're going to be open, Bridgewater is tremendous at that. And that's one of the areas where I think Cousins struggles a bit and had a really great offensive setup from Jay Gruden. Now, let me give you another statistical thing here, Judd, that would concern you about paying Kirk Cousins, as much as he's going to ask. So, Pro Football Focus did this thing called the uh, quarterback w- clustering. Okay? So they took all these stats. Sounds painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they took all these stats um, the big time throws, which is a stat they keep, the average depth of target, how far you're, you're throwing it, and uh, adjusted completion percentage. Okay? So these things that kind of factor for drop balls and stuff like that. So they okay. took all of them and they profiled all the quarterbacks into mm-hmm. six different clusters. The, the, the top tier, second tier, third tier, or, you know, that sort of thing. And then lowest tier. So the, the three tiers, basically. And where Cousins came out for his 2017 season was in the third tier with these other quarterbacks. Blake Bortles, Derek Carr, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett, Eli Manning, and Brett Hundley. Now, that's not certainly doesn't say how he would perform with the Vikings supporting cast there, but that's a little worrisome. And let me tell you who the top tier were, just so you know this is fairly legit, at least, from the eye test. Uh, okay. Tom, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, and Russell Wilson were the top tier. And then right behind him, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Alex Smith, who had a great year, Philip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, that's how it's kind of playing out from some of their advanced numbers and cousins is a little ways down the list that would concern me if i was if we were just talking about bring him in for a year i'd be like okay well that's fine and he'll probably be better than that but if you're talking about locking into him as a hundred million dollars guaranteed type quarterback that's where i hesitate and he can and
0: the price he's going to be uh paid matthew certainly concerns me I guess what I keep coming back to, though, is internally, if the Vikings are having uh, discussions and they're saying, we've got this defense that is really good and and an offense um, that, you know, when it comes to our offensive line can be improved, but made some really big strides from uh, 2016 to 17. Our backfield is really good with Dalvin Cook healthy. Our top two receivers are really good. I keep coming back to is the internal discussion, okay, if we sit down and look at the list of potential quarterbacks for us in 2018, which one do we think, or which ones do we think have the best chance to win us a Super Bowl? Because your defense is going to be this good for how long? A couple more years, maybe, mm-hmm. if you're lucky. 2018 might be so, sort of the start of ha- having to make some changes into 19. So I just wouldn't put it past the Vikings at all to, to identify Cousins as their as their number one QB who, if they do some work with, would have the potential to be that guy. Because if it's going to be Bridgewater, I think that conversation has to be, you know what, he might have the long-term potential to be a championship quarterback, but he's been off for two years now. So can we really expect him to come back in 2018 and win? Uh, The faith was certainly never there in Keenum. And so I I share those concerns about Cousins, and I also think he's going to be paid entirely too much. But all of that being said, if you're the Vikings and you can get a magical 2018 run from him and, and he is the, the quote-unquote systems quarterback who can get you to a Super Bowl and potentially win it, then going forward, do you care that much? And so th- this is where I sort of struggle with how the discussions are going internally for the Vikings about how they're going to decide on, on how much to pursue Cousins and if they really think that Bridgewater has the potential to win them a Super Bowl As soon as 2018.
1: And that's what makes it such a challenge for us to take a guess on it because we just don't know. I mean, at the end of the year, they talked about how amazing it was that Bridgewater ever came back, and you could read that one of two ways. You could read that as they think that he is so special that they would never let him go, or they say, look, it's great that he came back, but we're not really buying in, and we're going to go another direction here. You could look at it – Either of those two ways. Uh, so I put a Twitter poll out there that got a thousand votes, Judd, and my question was How do you feel, Vikings fans, about the Vikings not franchise tagging Case Keenum? And I will give you the results, and I will admit that I threw uh, one in there that is just, you know, being silly. But 29% said they are happy with it, 42% said they are okay with it, only 9%, Judd are annoyed that the Vikings are not franchise tagging case Keenum. And of course, 20% voted is Brett Favre available. But I think that that tells us that the, the last impression that Vikings fans have of case Keenum is being up seven to nothing in the NFC title game and throwing a really bad interception. And yeah, yes. And and, I I, think with that, they're, ready to move on to either Kirk Cousins or a lot of fans probably ready to go back to Bridgewater who remains in my mind, the still the most popular Minnesota Viking player. I
0: I also think that that when it comes uh, to the fans and Keenum that the Keenum uh, in retrospect now during the course of the 2017 season was sort of like hockey is the fans, which he had a very loyal cult following of Vikings fans. I'm not sure it, it was always huge. And I think, to your point, when a lot of fans saw those playoff games, I mean, listen, if you watched the second half of the Saints game, you said to yourself, is this sustainable for another year? And I think it's fair to say probably not. So when when it comes to Case, I think we should all be pleasantly surprised by what what we saw during the course of 2017. I think it was a fun year. I think he's a nice guy. I mean, I think he's he's a lovable character who I think his teammates liked a lot. All of those things being said, I think if you're a rational fan, you do say to yourself, this team should have a very good chance again next year to contend for a Super Bowl berth. And if that's, the, and if that's going to happen, is Case Keenum really the guy? And I think the logical answer is no, pro- probably not. The only difference is Zimmer came to that conclusion probably in October at some point. A lot of us started to come to, to the conclusion a little bit more as, as the season progressed and if you went back and watched those games.
1: And it's not um, always true because uh, a lot of teams make mistakes and things like that, but uh, the Minnesota Vikings had seen Case Keenum in every single practice, every single day, and broken down every single throw on tape and decided that they didn't want to have him as the franchise quarterback. So I, I think that that tells you they have a lot more information Uh, when it comes to how they feel about a guy and whether he could continue to sustain his success than just watching on Sunday on TV. Uh, Let me say this to, to wrap us up here. As the report is, the Vikings not going to franchise Tag Case Keenum. I don't think that there is any chance that he would come back to a situation where they would want to have him compete for the starting quarterback, unless it was absurd money. And I would be absolutely blown away, shocked if they were willing to pay him as much as maybe some other team would to be their starting quarterback. So moving aside from that case Keenum's personality, his mental makeup, his competitiveness. uh, I thought this year was tremendous. His leadership, all those things, the way he handled the situation with Bridgewater was about as great as you could ever ask. And Case Keenan will be in the NFL for a very, very long time. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him again with some other team overachieving one year and, and having a good season and being a starter that, that some team really likes. Uh, I, I think that he proved us all wrong from that standpoint, that even if we were right in looking at how the Vikings saw him, that he proved everyone wrong to to show that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he deserves a lot, a lot of credit for that. But it does not appear that the Vikings are going to make him the franchise quarterback. So, Judd, yes. I am headed to the Combine. I'm packing my stuff, and then we're going to talk on the Purple Podcast about Lamar Jackson, me and Courtney Will, from the Combine, and you and I will get together later. So thank you, Judd.
0: Lamar Jackson is going to be a great – receiver in national <laughs> oh, football League. don't do that i can tell you that right don't now do this that kid's got a lot of upside he could be the vikings number three receiver oh, i think they should gosh. take him in the sixth round
1: okay Bill i'm just oh, kidding you. of Thank course you.
0: yes I'm matthew all right it was we'll fun
1: see we'll see you at the combine later
0: bye